This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about my sling and stone. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We are live from Media Row there here, you Sam. Go. I almost said Radio Row, but we're live on Media Row right now. It's uh, Here we are, man. Yeah, it's not Radio it's Row anymore because people don't do radio. They do media. They oh, do there's still some radio streaming. over here. They do YouTube like us. That's right. Podcasts, you know. We're live on YouTube, making it happen. I'm sitting next to you instead of across from you. This yeah, is weird. We, uh, I got to... You're like tilt. Do I have to turn? Angle? I don't know. Yeah. I can't. I'm not watching. I don't have a monitor. Like we're, it's a road game. Yeah, and we got all kinds Neutral of stuff sight. happening this week. We're juggling. I got to keep the phone on me because we got a potential guest that's currently only a soft lock. We're looking for a hard lock. Yeah, yeah. We have a soft locked guest with, um, I mean, some intense stuff. There's Jeff Schwartz over there. Big Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Yeah. Come by sometime. <laughs> we're live. So that's what we do here. That's what we do here. We're going to talk AFC team needs, and then the rest of the week, I think, it's just going to be a free-for-all yeah. of just crazy. Madness. We'll get Salfaro on here. You know, we'll get everybody going. It'll we'll be see awesome. what we get. Yeah. This is, why, this is why the people are tuning in. So tell your friends to, uh, to come join the show. We did NFC team needs uh-huh. uh, Monday morning. Really, it was Sunday night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was great. We'll get into the AFC right now. That sound good? Sure. Anything yeah. else we need to take care of at the top here? No. Uh, we Well, yeah, okay, one thing. We we still haven't had, we haven't been pushed over the edge in our charity goal. We're still looking for the last few hundred dollars. Uh, once we get there, you get to do rugby skills. Can't wait. We're going to be watching the Six Nations on Saturday here. Ireland, France, the big game. Both 1-0 in the Six Nations so far, you know? It's going to be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Friday, uh, Friday, Saturday morning. Bright and early. Seven something mountain time, but I could just stay in my bed and watch, right? No, I know, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna stream it on our TV, yeah. The TV's, I think, got some sort of you know, streaming capacity. We'll, we'll find a way, we'll persevere. Uh, I'm tweeting this out, Hold but on. anyway, my pin tweet at PFF underscore Sam is the GoFundMe. We need the last couple of hundred dollars. Let's go, let's see Steve try and play rugby because who doesn't want that? Where are we gonna do this? Uh, Sulf's gonna work on a venue. In Ireland or anything? No. Oh, okay. No. Could be, uh, could be UC again. Could, could be, be our friends could over be. at UC. The football right. stadium this time, though. Yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. That would be good. Mm-hmm. All right. So we appreciate everybody that's already uh, donated and everybody else that will. Absolutely. Forward. All right. So let's get into AFC team needs. This is all based off of your article over at PFF.com and, more importantly, the PFF app, which you have to download. Go check it out right now. Um, we, you were just highlighting the most important need, right? The biggest, yeah. Um, except for certain teams where you said everything, right? The biggest need for each team. We'll go team by team, starting the AFC East with the Buffalo 
Bills, biggest team need for the Bills this offseason? Offensive line. Um, people are going to, I think, focus heavily on the need for that number two wide receiver, the, the extra threat um, opposite Stephon Diggs or alongside Stephon Diggs. But I think the offensive line is a bigger problem. Um, and the further the year dragged on, I think the bigger an issue it was becoming and was very much sort of skating under the radar because of the way Josh Allen plays, because of the way this offense was still putting up big numbers, was still making explosive plays. But that offensive line started off the year playing below average and got worse as things went on. And at its worst this season, I think was genuinely problematic. Uh, heading into the offseason, Roger Saffold, starting left guard, is also a free agent. We've seen the tackle play get a little bit worse with Spencer Brown as the starter there. Um, their backups, they're also hitting free agency for the most part. It is going to be interesting discussion because Gabriel Davis didn't step up as mm -hmm. the true number two that maybe we expected coming off the Jerry Rice playoff game. And that's the big discussion, right? We also heard, we heard Brandon Bean, who um, I think there was misleading audio there or misleading titling of some tweets. But Brandon Bean, with, you know, he was asked about the Bengals and how they built the receiving core and how they got Jamar Chase on the cheap because they got to pick in the top ten and all this stuff. But that does seem to be the focus, right? It's the receivers. And I think that is something they need to focus on. You know our stance on that. But have they crept back to average enough? Are they, they were a little bit below average this year. They have to get that back on track this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think um, sort of as a roster construction methodology, Buffalo's offensive line has deliberately not put a ton of resources into it. I think they've taken the approach of we don't need a great offensive line. We just need one that's capable, that's able to be average, even below average at times, but just hold up its end of the bargain and everything else will function because we have Josh Allen and we have Stephon Diggs and we're able to make it work. And I think the risk with that is that if you get a down year from multiple players whose baseline is kind of average to below average, all of a sudden that can become quite an issue. And I think maybe they just strayed a little bit too far over that line and need to at least up that baseline just a little bit and get it more comfortably into the, you know, solid range. All right, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins, where we've got a similar answer here, Sam. You went with offensive line for the Dolphins as well, despite last year bringing in Connor Williams, bringing in Teron Armstead. Some of the moves that they made last year did make the line better. Yeah. But especially when Teron Armstead's hurt, man, it is. it was tough to, you know, really see that in, a, in full effect. They were a lot better. Um, but even so, I mean, you, you add Teron Armstead, let's assume he's 100% of a fix, even though chances are he'll only play 75% of any given season. Um, Connor Williams was definitely an upgrade. Robert Hunt, who was already there, the incumbent, I think is already a good caliber starting lineman. That's only three-fifths of the line that's fixed. Like The other two spots, I think, are still problematic. And we've talked before about how you can get by with one weak link in an offensive line. You can patch that up. You can game plan around it on a weekly basis. I don't know that you can really do it with two. And if you have to go to three because Teron Armstead misses four or five games, I mean, now you're back to having just an offensive line that's, that's undermining everything that's going on with the entire offense. So I think even with the additions that they've made, they still need to keep hammering on that. Like, you're not done just because you got three-fifths of a reasonable offensive line. You need to get five or four at least. Right tackle Austin Jackson still hasn't really played well at any point in his career. Uh, Brandon Shell struggled when he had to fill in last year, especially when he had to move to left tackle, a place he hadn't played in years. And Greg Little, uh, Shell and Little are both free agents. So it does seem like 
the Dolphins should be looking at tackles regardless, right? Just yeah. getting tackles in the building, both as Teron Armstead insurance, but also as a potential starter at right tackle. And then left guard is the other problematic spot where we've seen uh, Liam Eikenberg strike, uh, struggle. We saw Robert Jones in and out of the lineup last year, just okay. So, And also, specifically for Miami, I don't know if this is going to be a factor when they're thinking about this kind of construction, but with what Tua dealt with last year. You know, the multiple concussions being out for at least five weeks in the protocol by the end of the last one. You probably need to treat Tua with kid gloves in a way other teams don't necessarily treat their quarterback. So Miami's approach to building an offense, if they are invested in Tua, if they believe in Tua going forward, probably needs to think of, we need to protect this guy like more than other teams do. We, we need to treat Tua in a different way than Buffalo, for example, that we just talked about, treats Josh Allen. We have to protect Tua because the guy dealt with, you know, multiple concussions was out long term. Yeah, so we, we, I use the phrase, we use the phrase creep back toward average. Are there certain quarterbacks, though? I remember talking to this, uh, our friend Zach Robinson, uh, Rams QB coach. Maybe certain quarterbacks do need a tick better than that from an offensive line perspective. Derek Carr could be that type of guy that just you don't want to mess with it, right? You'd, you'd rather be in that top five to eight. At this point in Tua's career, do you, despite the quick release, he does protect the offensive line. Despite all of that, do you want to actually pursue the way the Chiefs did, a top five offensive line rather than just a, a, a decent one? I mean, I just think the difference with him is you now, I mean, I don't want to use the term durability necessarily, but him staying upright is a concern. You know, he's a small quarterback. He is a apparently relatively fragile quarterback. He, the, I mean, just the chances of him getting hurt, I think, or concussed are just bigger than they are with Josh Allen. I, I mean, I think that's the reality we're dealing with here. So if you are invested in Tua and you say, look, the EPA was matching Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs when Tua was healthy, and that's what we want going forward, and he can cook within this offense. If that's what your belief is as a team, I think you have to say we need a better offensive line than most teams do because aside from anything else, his history, the concussion history is just scarier than most quarterbacks. Uh, the Dolphins also will need running backs at some point. All those guys are hitting free agency, so running back is also on the list, Sam, but not the biggest need. We're going with the offensive line. Yeah. The PFF NFL podcast is brought to you by Western and Southern Financial Group. We're not in Western and Southern Studio right now, We're but not. they're still bringing you the podcast. Don't well, you miss you, it, though? I do miss it. The plaque on the wall? It. I do miss it the, quite the a bit. The mugs? We don't even have a Western and Southern mug. We're, it's a bottle. We should have brought it with us I know. for the show. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western work. and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, working our way through the AFC East, we're on to the New England Patriots, where you're saying the top the top need is wide receiver. Yeah. Um, Jacoby Myers has been their best receiver for the last few years. Even Jacoby Myers at that level, you're like, okay, he's nice, he's a good player, gets open, does a lot of good. Is he, you know, a true number one? Is he a real difference maker for this offense? And Jacoby Myers is a free agent. So It, it, I mean. it shows how week the wide receiver class is he's our top wide receiver yeah. free agent not nothing against Jacoby Myers but in past years the Allen Robinsons and um 
Kenny Galladay's of the world were free agents, and maybe they Kenny Galladay's, yeah, maybe they didn't work out as well. But those were the types of names, uh, Chris Godwin, the guys that were hitting free agency at least before they got franchise tagged or locked up. Yeah, and you know they're going to expect Tyquan Thornton to step up and, and be a bigger player for them this year than or upcoming year than he was as a rookie. But still, like they need, you know, th- th- this offseason for them I think has to be about putting Mac Jones in a better situation. Obviously, they started that with hiring Bill O'Brien back to run the offense. We expect that will help from a coaching standpoint. The offensive line, I think, is already in a good spot. But now you need to give Mac Jones some players to throw to. Um, and obviously, they've done that in the past. They went on the free agent spending spree. But, like, give the man some whiteout help. So uh, our friend Phil Perry, who uh, NBC Sports Boston, you know, covers the Patriots, was just talking to him yesterday over here on Radio Row. and Media Row. Media Row, sorry. Yeah, just correct me. I, I will. I will. I got you. It's like, it was like relearning the uh, the Washington football team's name. You know what I mean? Every year. Every year. Yeah. Um, on Media Row, we were talking about that, and that's like his biggest discussion point. Maybe we'll have him on the show at some point. His biggest discussion point is wide receiver one for the Patriots. And it sounds like it sounds like fans are playing fantasy football. Like, oh, get Mac Jones some weapons. Get him some wide receiver one. And there's, um, But it's kind of the truth, right? I mean, it's what the Chargers have done with Justin Herbert was – Invested to put pieces around him, made sure that they had Mike Williams and Keenan Allen locked up, made sure that they had the offensive line. It's what the Super Bowl participating Eagles are doing, you know, did with Jalen Hurts on his rookie contract, bringing in AJ Brown, transforming this offense. And AJ Brown also transformed the Titans' offense with Ryan Tannehill, right? So, and the Eagles, by the way, were a team that kept swinging, right? Like they, they made the gaff. They drafted Jalen Rager instead of Justin Jefferson. That didn't stop them drafting Devontae Smith the next year at the top of the draft. And then having Devontae Smith didn't stop them from going and aggressively trading for A.J. Brown. Like, you need a collection of impact wide receivers unless you have Patrick Mahomes. And the Patriots don't. In the Patriots, like, you could talk yourself into coming into this past year when they added Devontae Parker late on the cheap, had Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, who we mentioned, the two tight ends, Hunter Henry, John Smith, plus draft pick Tyquan Thornton, plus Kendrick Bourne. Like you could kind of talk yourself into the, the depth of that group, yeah. potentially working out, but it didn't. Whether right. it was schematic, whether you know Nelson Aguilar has had, what what is his career now at this point? Like two good years now out of seven. Yeah, where the, and they came randomly and they came in different styles, so you couldn't rely on him. Uh, Parker was in and out of the lineup. Thornton was in and out. Bourne was in and out, not even playing. That didn't work. But if you did have an alpha one, and I don't know where you find that around the league. T. Higgins trade, you know, well, whoever it might be. Yeah. But if you have that, it does make everyone else's job better, and I do think that needs to be a priority for the Patriots. I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a this is a strange off season for um, for finding for addressing some of these needs. I mean, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be talking as if it's easy to just you know just go find a player that fixes your biggest problem. Yeah. But it is a bad free agent group. Um, either you're gonna be positioned in the draft, or you're gonna have to trade for somebody. Um, and then, you know, it doesn't seem like you've got the true wide receiver one maybe in the draft. So is it a double up on receiver type of year and just kind of see what sticks? Yeah. All right, let's round out the AFC East. New York Jets, it's pretty clear. It's the quarterback yeah. position. It is. Yeah, I mean, fairly self-explanatory. Zach right? Wilson was... didn't work out. No, Zach Wilson didn't work out. I don't think you can trust Mike White as a starter based off what we've seen from him. They were a team that should have made the playoffs this year and didn't because their quarterback situation was bad. So go fix that. And quarterback is actually one of the few spots where I think you can address it in whether it's free agency, whether it's trade. I think there are options for a quarterback needy team. And the Jets, 
I think they might be the best landing spot for most of these quarterbacks, whether it's a team or whether it's a quarterback like, you know, Tom Brady before he retired or Aaron Rodgers now, a sort of aging veteran looking for one last ring, one last shot at a ring. The Jets make a ton of sense. Um, whether it's a team like or a, a quarterback like Derek Carr, who, you know, needs a situation that's already good for him to look as good as he wants to look, right? Like Derek, the Jets make a ton of sense for a guy like Derek Carr. So I think there are quarterbacks out there for the Jets, but they need one of them. How uh, how good is the Jets situation? Because I know I think it's really good. There are some people that still question how you know how good is it actually. I think it is a good defense. They've certainly improved there, and they've got some playmakers to throw to as well. Yeah, my only question, and I think the offensive line will be a lot better than it was last year. Like it was supposed to be a top 10 caliber unit before the season and wasn't because everybody got hurt. Um, that's probably not happening again. You're also going to have an offseason to keep adding reinforcements, whether it's free agency, the draft. Um, the big question mark really is play caller. Like they obviously they move on from uh, LaFleur. They bring in Nathaniel Hackett. Now, are they doing what the Broncos were supposed to do last year, which is let's bring in Nathaniel Hackett to woo Aaron Rodgers? Rogers bait. Right. Yeah. And if that works, great. Depends or, on what the stars say. Yeah. Or are they just bringing in Nathaniel Hackett because they think like he's an upgrade at that position? Um, and if they are, I think that's TB, uh, TBD. Like I think that's sort of up in the air. Obviously, his resume is good up until this Denver disaster. But when you I, – I think there were sort of red flags based off what you heard about him before that Denver gig that maybe yeah. this might not be applicable to everybody other than Aaron Rodgers. It's so fascinating looking at the chat here, too. There was an early suggestion, hey, Rodgers or Ryan Tannehill were the two suggestions. And that happened, like that was a conversation yesterday because Mike Sando had an article quoting sources saying that Rodgers should go to Tennessee. Yeah. And, you know, that was a conversation. Like, is it worth who's better, Tannehill and what he's being paid right now, or Aaron Rodgers plus his contract plus the trade? That's a fair question. But that's what's so fascinating about all of this stuff, right? Where, for whatever reason, the Jets, not, not for whatever reason, but say the Jets feel good about their situation, and their quarterback situation was so bad that they're, they're yearning for Derek Carr or, or Ryan Tannehill, and that's going to be good enough for them, whereas there's other teams, the, the Titans, who made an AFC championship a couple of years ago, might be yearning to get away from Ryan Tannehill, right? And the, the Raiders said, we have to move on from Derek Carr. Right, I mean, it is that that dichotomy around the league right now, where there's a there's a market for Derek Carr's and Ryan Tannehill's, and then there's teams trying to get rid of them and get to Aaron Rodgers, right? Yep. And trying to get to the to the massive upgrade. So uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, also that name's been dropped in here, right? I mean, similar West Coast offense. You know, the Robert Sala was the coach in San Francisco for a couple of years, defensive coordinator when Jimmy Garoppolo was there. I mean, I think either way. If the Jets even get one of those non-Rogers guys, they should be at least competitive. Yeah. But then they run into that same, we have a Carr, a Garoppolo, a Tannehill. We have a mid-tier quarterback. How far can they really take That's us? the only problem. Like, you look at the Jets, and you're like, really good roster, really good situation. I Sorry. think even an average guy like Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, can come in and improve that team and make them competitive and take them to the playoffs. But are they enough to overcome the, even just the division? Are they enough to overcome the Bills, Miami, based off what they did? The Patriots won't be terrible ever and presumably look to upgrade their offense. Like That's where you start to question, is Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo enough for that? All right, let's go to the Baltimore Ravens. Going through the AFC North now. With the Ravens, you went wide receiver for their biggest need. Yeah, 
I mean, <laughs> as is ever the case, the Ravens need number one wide receivers. Um, I, there's definitely a question about, like, you know, just because of the way that offense has been built. Do they remember, actually need that, right? But remember, they're also another team that's going in a different direction, presumably, yeah. based off change of coach. So the previous Baltimore offense is not quite the Baltimore offense that's going to be the case going forward. Also, by the way, they don't have Lamar Jackson under contract yet, so who the hell knows? Maybe that's the biggest need Right, what this offense looks like. But assuming Lamar Jackson is back, which I think is very likely, um, I think at this point, Again, it's, we've been saying this for years. Like, just give the guy a number one receiver and see what happens. You know? I don't think Marquise Brown has been that guy. Um, Mark Andrews is their number one receiver, but he's a conventional tight end. Like, I just think, let's see what happens if you plug an elite wide receiver into the system. It's fair to ask, you know, okay, how much do they actually need playmakers versus, say, other teams? Um, we kind of had this discussion with Justin Fields um, on the NFC show. But even if it's not the same as, you know, when we say Dallas, go get three wide receivers. You were so much better when you had three legitimate options, really four. Maybe the Ravens, you know, Mark Andrews is one. Lamar Jackson is two, right, as a playmaker. But you still need another guy to throw to, right? I mean, the the point is to have multiple options for the defense to account for. And how does the defense account for Lamar Jackson, the runner, Mark Andrews off of play action in the middle of the field, and then the outside – receiver I thought they were onto something when they had Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman and even Sammy Watkins like Watkins as a three a couple years ago but it just they couldn't stay on the field at the same time Bateman has just been in and out of the lineup yeah maybe he's the guy but you don't want to just rely on him as the guy right you want Bateman plus someone else so I'm I'm absolutely with you there and we don't know if the system's going to be different with Greg Roman out right maybe we're seeing more under center uh play action type of stuff maybe we're seeing more gun uh, zone read type of stuff with Lamar rather than all the pistol stuff. That it's a done. fascinating offseason for them because I think what Greg Roman did to build the Lamar Jackson offense initially was really smart. You know, you take they're running an, a conventional NFL offense with Joe Flacco and then away in the background in the basement they're building this offense that's going to be unique to Lamar Jackson based off the skill set that he brings to the table that nobody else in the NFL does. Um, but I don't know if they've sort of effectively asked the question over the years, how much can this evolve back towards something that's more recognizable in every other offense in the league, and how much do we need to sort of stick with this, not gimmicky offense, but offense that's very different because Lamar needed that when he was a rookie or needed that really early in his career. Does he still need that kind of offense now? Maybe we can sort of evolve this thing and tap into more of what he can do as a passer in addition to the run threat and all that kind of thing. We have a hard lock. Hard lock. Is good? Hard okay. lock is official. Hard out and a hard lock. All right. We got that nailed. All right. Going through the AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals. You went offensive tackle here. Yeah. Why'd you go offensive tackle? Because Jonah Williams gave up 12 sacks this year. It's quite Jonah a lot. Williams heading into 2023. They have Lyle Collins as the starting right tackle. Yeah. We have Jonah Williams heading into his, is it the last year of his deal? Must be, right? Right. We stay uh, with a potential fifth-year option coming out of that. What year was he drafted? And by the way, Lyle Collins may have been a pretty big upgrade, but the guy had a pass-blocking grade this year of 44.2. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I mean, I, I think they made the right moves, but those both neither of the tackles played well. I mean, he's way better than Hakeem Adeniji, but, right. like, A, Lyle Collins has dealt with quite a lot of injuries in his career. B, I don't think he's the player he was earlier in his career because of those. So I'm not saying you replace him next year, 
but I certainly wouldn't mind contingency, you know, sure. again. Jonah Williams missing his first full season, messing with my brain. So he'll be playing on his fifth-year option this year. So he'll, he's in line for either, you know, getting re-signed yeah. or the Bengals moving on. And those and 12 sacks led the league, right? 13 if you include the playoffs. I mean, Jonah Williams was the one guy that essentially they didn't touch from the offseason. They are like, we'll upgrade four other spots on the offensive line. But Jonah's okay. Jonah's solid. And he had been. But he wasn't this year. He was, he was below average, and he was a problem at times. Continuing to add tackle depth certainly wouldn't hurt in Cincinnati, right? The couple things that can derail their season would be below average offensive line play. Yeah. And we saw that even though it was in the Super Bowl and in the AFC Championship the last couple of years, it did come back to bite at some point. The other one that has to be an obvious need is safety. Jesse Bates is in Von Bell, both free agents. Um, even Eli Apple at corner. So you're talking about the secondary um, in general as a need. But I... I Part of the reason why I think we liked the Bengals draft last year is it felt like it was forward-looking, right? At yep. Drafting Daxton Hill I mean, and I think Cam Hill Taylor definitely Britt. steps into one of those spots. Taylor Britt maybe yeah. takes that role as yeah, well. Yeah, so they, there was contingency there, and, and it was smart by the Bengals, right? When you have – I loved their offseason last year, even though they fell short, right? Didn't make it back to the Super Bowl. They addressed the offensive line, and it felt like they drafted like a good team drafts, which is with a year ahead mm-hmm. in mind when it comes to need. We talk – I mean, I push back on drafting for need all the time, but drafting for future a year a year ahead needs smart, right? I mean, that's so that's what the Bengals did. So on paper, safety's a need, it may be corner, but it seems like they do have the right people to uh, fill in there. Yep. So I don't mind that as tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, I lost my spot in the AFC North. I know it's the Browns. It is the Browns. Defensive tackles has to be where you went. Yep, interior defensive line <laughs> for the Browns. Yeah, I knew that one. Yeah, yeah. this needs been. I mean, it's one of the worst. Like, yeah, one of the worst sort I mean, of individual position. An groups. issue for a couple of years. Not just on the team, but like in any team in the NFL, their interior has been catastrophic for years now. I'm pro analytics and all that stuff. This felt like, like if I was building a team, I might have made the same mistake that the Browns made, where I neglected it and kind of made it, you know, the the last part. Look at that. Doctor risen He's from alive. the dead. Dr. Eager's alive. Look at him. The late Dr. Eager. We're live. You want to say hi? <laughs> Eric says hi. Says hi Eric from says distance. hi. Hi, Thomas. Good to see you. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't even know that it was a mistake necessarily. Like, I think they actually constructed this thing the right way. It just didn't work out. Like, they, they sort of attacked pass defense to say ahead of anything else and I don't know that this is proof that actually pass rush is more important than pass coverage or any or even affects that dynamic I think the players they had on the back end simply didn't perform at the standards we expected them to what I do think is interesting though is you know I think you brought this up before that in basketball there's a lot of studies on how specific players interplay and the kind of yeah. the effect they have on each other in addition to themselves like Miles Garrett is individually playing as well as any defensive lineman in the NFL. We're talking, like this year, everybody's focused on Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons and maybe Chris Jones. And I think Garrett is playing as well as any of those guys, if not better. But the situation around him on that defensive line is so bad that it doesn't matter. And we track these things, these plays of like individual pass rush wins that don't get to become pressure because the ball's gone, right, before he can, before he can affect the quarterback. Garrett has led the NFL in those for the last couple of years. And I think that is a product of nobody alongside him is winning. So the, no, the number of plays or the number of wins that he has that don't affect the quarterback 
is disproportionately high. So simply improving the situation inside of him immediately makes his performance more effective. Because all of a sudden, maybe 20 of those plays where he wins actually do become pressure because there's somebody three yards closer to the quarterback inside him than there is now. Like, I think attacking the interior not just increases the effectiveness of the defensive line, but I think it might immediately increase the effectiveness of Miles Garrett. Yeah, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I mean, like, the, the way that they got here, I thought, was was probably sound, right? It was third-round draft picks. You know, that is, that is de- you know, a decent spot to go grab interior defensive linemen, so they're not using premium picks. Bringing a Taven Bryan in for a year at $4 million and all that stuff, but but nobody played well. Like None of those guys actually hit. I think there's probably an opportunity in free agency for the Browns, not necessarily to make a splash, not to reverse course on the entire strategy, but guys like Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata, Zach Allen, who had that really good year for Arizona this year as a, you know, yeah. kind of an interior uh, and edge type of player. Like They can get those guys somewhat relatively cheap here. Onyemata would be a really interesting buy-low candidate because yeah. he's had some really good seasons in the past is coming off a bad year. The Saints collectively on the defensive front did not play well. I don't know how much that affects his price tag, but if it kind of drove it down for free agency, you know, if that can combat the fact that it's not a great free agent class and maybe that boosts it back up. But if you can get him for a cheap price, I think that's potentially a steal. What they didn't do is get involved in the discussion last year was like the Jordan Davis discussion, right, where Jordan Davis is going to come in and even though he hasn't made a huge impact for the Eagles, but the theory was this 340-pounder is going to come in here, eat the doubles, and push the pocket, and that's going to help everyone else. The Browns haven't gone that down that route. I'm curious to see if they do try to overcorrect, overcorrect a little bit and go down that path and really attack this position a ton heading into the offseason. The chat's trying to say that I'm sucking up to GMs here. No. I'm just trying to be cordial. I'm just trying to be nice to Thomas and Eric and everybody that's, Thomas you know. Thomas Yeah. former NFL GM. Former. I mean, what, what can he do for me now? What is he now? What's his thing at Sumer? Current guy at like Sumer? The guy under the owner. CEO. CEO. Yeah, the guy go. under the owner. The CEO. The guy under the owner. Yeah. <laughs> the guy below the billionaire at Sumer. All right, let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers here, where you went corner for the biggest need. Yeah. You get my guy Pony on here to talk some Steelers. Get the Pony on. He's got uh, Kenny Pickett as the next Joe Montana. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess Brock Purdy was the next Tom Brady, so it's now... It's no crazier it's, than that. It's the golden era yeah. of the NFL right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we saw this year that Pittsburgh's defensive front still has teeth, whether it's a healthy T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward. Um, he said we said hey to Cameron Hayward at the uh, opening night last night. He's over there? Yeah. What's he doing there? He was interviewing people. Oh, of he course. was media. Naturally. He was with us. He was media. Um, he said he appreciates us. Oh, that's now, good. Now, obviously, he didn't say that on camera where people could see, but he said it. You he know? appreciates the 89.8 grade last year. Collectively, as media, us and him, it's I noticed, on the record. I notice players with blue grades are more appreciative of PFF, <laughs> is what I've noticed. Yeah. But anyway, Cameron Hayward. We might Hayward, talk about that tomorrow. Cameron Hayward is still legit. TJ Watt is still legit. But I think one of the things last season showed us was how important the kind of relationship is between pass rush and coverage, right? And if one of them stinks, the other one is going to suffer. It's a symbiotic relationship. They both need to hold up their end of the bargain and the Steelers' corners just weren't good enough for that pass rush to really get home as often as it should and make that kind of impact. I think if you can upgrade that corner spot from, like, average, below average to good at a couple of spots, you're you're in a much better spot. It's another team I didn't hate their process at the position. I mean, they, look, they, they got Levi Wallace. I'm they always going to love that. I'm all – and my guy's a killer Witherspoon. 
right? He's like the uh, the Nelson Aguilar of corners, where if you go through a season, you can pick out two good <laughs> ones, and then everything else not so good. Nelson um, Aguilar of corners. That's what he is, right? That's what everybody. You have to be you have to be a listener of the PFF NFL podcast or a viewer to, to understand these references. There you go, Jason in the chat. Pickett versus Purdy, the new Manning versus Brady. Oh yeah, clearly. Even though you know Steelers Niners Super Bowl next year, it's what's it's what's happening. Um, and then you know they took a shot on William Jackson with a you know a trade for for nothing. Yep. I love the I love the process there, right? Sure. Bringing in the, all those guys who have been good at one point. But your main point is, like, you got to be better there. Yeah, I mean, they took a few swings at it. They were trying to get to a sort of above-average line and didn't quite hit it. So I think if you don't reach that point, you got to get there, however it takes. And maybe maybe sometimes it's going to take being more aggressive or committing a little bit more investment money-wise or draft pick-wise to get there. But you need to get there because last year wasn't good enough. That's really the bottom line. Uh, Let's move on to the AFC South, starting with the Houston Texans. And without looking... How hard could it be? Did you... uh, did I go everything? Did you say everything again <laughs> for the third straight year? Well, look, uh, they they were quarterback because you know you got to start this thing somewhere, and you can't start it with Davis Mills. Is the bottom line for me? Uh, good news is I think they're in position to go quarterback. You know, whether or not they have to trade up to do it, having took themselves out of that number one position for no reason, um, but they need a quarterback. Like I think you got to start this thing. Yes, they need everything, but you got to start with the quarterback. If you're the Texans, so um, the latest rumor today, okay, our friend, PFF Bobby, Bobby Slowick, the rumor is, uh, I think per Burt Breer. OC? Which should be per us. Like, come on, Bobby, dude. Like, let us, let me break this news. Given the, given the direct sources that we have for we, a couple of these jobs. We're bad at breaking news. We seem to have very poor breaking now news we are ability here. on the podcast. Can we break any news? It does feel like, because uh, we've this had this we conversation before, right? Like, there's a process here. Bobby's been on the show. Like, he is a part. Like, he's a part of our family here. He's a PFF podcast alumni. He is. Yeah. It's good to see our alumni maybe getting NFL jobs. <laughs> it is. You know? So, anyway, the point being here is we're, there's talk that Bobby Slowick, former PFF body, Bobby, may be the Texans OC. So that's the news. Because he and D'Amico Ryans were QC coaches together yeah. back in the day. They were over there grinding it out, you know, till midnight. Right. You know, doing the, doing the dirty work. Mm-hmm. And now uh, D'Amico's the head coach. Bobby Slowick might be getting the offensive coordinator job. He was the pass game coordinator for the 49ers this year. So my question was going to be, does that open the door for a Jimmy Garoppolo, potentially? Could the Texans go that route <laughs> rather than drafting, especially now that they're at two instead of one? You don't think Bobby, given the choice between Jimmy G and his busted up everything versus Bryce Young I don't, is going to be like, give me Bryce Young. I don't know. So the Niners were clearly ready to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Right? And I think based solely on his injury history, that I was I think it was because of the injuries, right? I don't think because – Which has only gotten worse but since they that could, point. But, again, you could easily look at this and say we have zero quarterback with the Texans. Yeah. You know how coaches don't – they don't like the uh, the mystery box, right? Coaches don't always sometimes. Love they don't always. Sometimes they really like it though. But give some, me this draft pick that could be anything. But could there's a, these, the thing that I have. But already. there's a reason why, like the Andy Daltons of the world, like there's there's a reason why there's the comfort level with what you know. There's a lot of coaches who don't like the mystery box. They like what they know. And I guess my point is, is there any chance that they would go Garoppolo, not draft a quarterback this year, and then also worst case scenario, maybe they're in the mix for next year's class. For the Caleb Williams of the world, for the mm. Drake Mays of the world. 
I just, I think at some point you got to start the project. And they've been kicking this thing down the road for years, waiting until they got rid of Deshaun Watson. They finally have draft capital now and money and apparently kind of a hot seat. Like, out of nowhere, Nick Casario's job was being talked about. And maybe that was entirely off-season rumors and, you know, the kind of bullshit that swirls at the end of a season. But if that's like, if all of a sudden people are starting to get impatient, can you really sell everybody on, let's just kick it down the can one more year? Next year's draft class is really good. And then what if all those guys stink next year? And all of a sudden it wasn't as good as you thought it would be. And now you're like, oh, crap, now we just got to draft somebody. I just, no. You're in, you pick number two overall. You should have picked number one. You don't. Make it happen. Pick the quarterback. Take the guy you want. If the guy you want is going to go number one, you're going to have to bite the bullet and trade and go make that happen. Just draft your quarterback and start. Start the project. Most importantly, Bobby, text us if you get the job, and we'll report it as the PFF NFL podcast. We'll yes. do it as like a joint I do thing. feel that if we're not Kate, the, the account, the official podcast account should break it. Yes. I do podcast, feel that I'll grow the podcast account. That those, those. And then, and then Adam Schefter will have to say, per the NFL, PFF NFL yes. podcast, he'll have to say that. Those and if he doesn't, I will track him down over here on Media Row. I will go and uh, intimidate him with my size and those, say, you need to tag us. It feels like we earned that from those um, review meetings, you know? Where we were trying to work out what the hell is this coverage? Like hours worth of you, me, Bobby, Ben. Like we earned the oh, the, the, the the right. We to were break QCs this news. with Bobby, That's just like true. him and D'Amico. We were QCs on a Tuesday night, going through all the plays in the NFL. You should uh, you should tell Bobby to tell D'Amico that. Maybe we could get a, a job lower down. Obviously, but I'm going to be GM. The, the chat knows I'm trying to sabotage the Texans. I'm so just saying maybe GM we could jump year. in as a you know position coach somewhere. Yeah, I could do that. You know, I as as collective former uh, QCs, QC coaches. You know, you need a linebackers coach. I just want to be a GM. That's all I want. Okay. We got this. All right, let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts, who also need a quarterback. Yeah, they do. The uh, the veteran merry-go-round has not been kind to them. They fired everybody. They're, and they're going to draft. They're treading water until they can plausibly hire Jeff Saturday as the coach. They're definitely going to draft. Coach Saturday again. Uh, so, yeah, they. I think it feels like they got to draft one, right? Yeah. I just, I mean, they're not, they're not going to jump back into this veteran thing, right? Having... Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, it's all gone south. The roster has declined around them. They're not going to go, I wonder what Derek Carr could do in this offense. I'm going to pick my words wisely here, but I was going to say, can you go into this offseason process sober-minded and, and forget about the past, right? Can you go in, what, hmm? I didn't pick my truth. I went with exactly what I was going to say. I mean, you say. may have picked them carefully, but. But it's the right word. Yeah. Can you go in and say, yeah, we went Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. Uh-huh. And just because those didn't work, Derek Carr's not going to work. You know, like, do you, do you, do Jimmy Garoppolo's not going to work, whoever it might be. Or do you say, forget it, I'm not doing that anymore. I mean, if the roster was still as good-looking as it had been during some of those decisions – you can maybe talk yourself into the idea of, look, the process is fine. We've just come up heads three times in a row, right? All we need is tails next time, and we're good. But I don't think it is. Like, I think the roster's gotten worse, and I think they know that the roster's gotten worse. Like, they've talked about this already, that we sold Matt Ryan a bill of goods. The thing that he showed up to be in charge of is not the thing that we thought it would be. So at that point, it's a different decision. It's not, 
do we just add an average quarterback to a very good situation and cook? It is, can this guy actually raise the level of a roster that isn't as good as it used to be? Because that's what we need now. I mean, I, I think you're going to go draft just because you do you want to you want the first contract quarterback. Yeah. I think in in Indianapolis, I think Jim Irsay wants the mystery box. Well, also the mystery box has been kind to him. Like if you look, he's like every time I yeah, pick at the top he, of the draft, I get stop. Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. That's ju- that's just stop it. I'm serious. Yeah, I mean, you were the you got to pick the times that. Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, were, Andrew Luck were at the top yes. of the draft. Yes. So if you're the billionaire going, well, how has the process been to me, right? Let's examine the evidence, right? The last two times I've drafted at the top of the draft, I've gotten Hall of Famer and, you know, potential Hall of Famer, but for injuries and all those kinds of things. Who walked away early and left me in, in, in pain, in tears, right? And every time I've turned to the, uh, the veteran market, I get some broken down has-been who can't do it. Johannes in the chat, she always does a great job you know, interacting with the chat here is, uh, I think she's going with Sam's goal of uh, funniest outcome. Okay. Her suggestion is the Colts trade for Jameis Winston and draft Anthony Richardson. I mean, that would be pretty funny. Yeah, Jameis. I mean, imagine Jameis, what he's going to do to Jim Irsay and his sanity. Yeah. And then the uh, the mis- the biggest of mystery boxes with it, which is Anthony Richardson. Not yeah. saying he's not going to work way, out. It's just you know. So when you weren't bust. here, and we were, I was talking about this with Seth. I was asking him the question. I'll ask it to you as well. Are they seriously going to hire Jeff Saturday as the coach? Because they're running through this process. Sounds insane. They're they're going through a second round of interviews, some of which apparently are lasting twelve hours. What what does a twelve hour interview with Jim Irsay look like? Everything. He talked about everything. Are they just like? like watching Manning tape listen to Led Zeppelin what, what is happening and then apparently they might get about culture they might get to fit. a third round of interviews is this just like how long do we have to play this out before we can just hire Jeff Saturday and say we were exhaustive in the search is that what's happening here I'll go back to my original take on all the interim coaches whether it's Jeff Saturday whether it's Steve Wilkes I don't think anything that happened in a half season has anything to do with what would happen going okay, forward. Okay, but but let me pose it another way. In your words, can you come to the sober-minded conclusion after multiple 12-hour sessions with Jeff Saturday and other head coaching candidates that Jeff Saturday is the best candidate for the job? He was just inexperienced this year, Sam. <laughs> yeah. That's what's happened. And you think that the... What, Maybe they're games? coaching him up. Hey, you know, you didn't... You didn't really know how to do the, you know these couple things because you've never done it before. But we're gonna we're gonna practice. We're gonna practice not throwing away a thirty-three point lead at the yeah, half. Yeah, we'll run the, that one the, in the simulation. Simulation, yeah, yeah simulation. <laughs> Maybe they're simulating game decisions or something. We'll put that one in the VR set. Right? That would actually we'll, be great. we'll work that out. Oh my gosh, we could reinvent coaching interviews. Yeah, I don't know what happens in a twelve-hour coaching interview, but if you're going to take a prospect and you got fifteen minutes with him and you're going to throw him up on the whiteboard and everybody, would you look at this bullshit in the chat? Steve must be seven foot two. Is Monson a garden gnome? You or is he two gnome. feet lower? Look, yeah. I'm. We don't have the adjustable chairs. here. I was out there yesterday. Full disclosure: we did. Can we get some adjustable chairs here? My Sam's too short. I was out there yesterday, and I'm Everybody's standing looking. next to Nicobe Dean, and I'm like the same size as him. That's an NFL linebacker. Okay, maybe I got like he's got an inch on me and a, you know a little, little bit of poundage, small. but we're basically the same size. You are the problem here. 
Not me. Listen, you, can you stop being distracted? I'm about to change the game and coaching Okay, interview. sorry. You're going to fix gonna coaching. Throw, coaching interviews. If you're going to throw quarterbacks on the board, are they putting head coaches on the board? Are they throwing them with the VR headset? Be like, oh, it's third and 19. And you just picked it out. It's fourth and two on your own 37. What are you doing? Yeah, that's what I would do. Maybe that's what they're doing. They're going the virtual simulation. Or get, say whipped up a little simulation. Well, we got a guy, Andrew Hawkins, there with his VR football that's game. That's what I'm saying. Add the coaching part to it. Yeah. And it's just here's the... I would do Coach Saturday turns to his play card. Or uh, even better, you play Madden. You're sitting there playing Madden and it's like, ah, oh, fourth and one. So what, what we're do? seeing here is twelve hours of Madden is what's happening. Yes. With with Ursay, with the Ursay playing Madden. I'm gonna go get the an 90, interview with the with the O four Colts roster, right? Ursay's got the old depth chart set. He's got Peyton Manning as his quarterback. He's playing as the 4 Colts. He's setting up <laughs> Jeff Saturday and the other coaching candidates with the 2023 Colts, and yeah. he's just waxing them, you know? Just Ursay dropping bombs deep down yeah. the field. Just do this, to Jeff. To Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne just hanging this, 50 on them, and then every time they can't win, it's like, well, you're out. This feels like its own video. Inside the Colts. Hiring process. Hi, yeah. we, this is what Joey Molinar, we, we're writing a script for him. This is his this next is video. This is what Joey would do. Yeah, this yeah. is Joey's we'll, next we'll video. We'll have to talk to Joey here. What does a 12-hour interview look like? He's got to be around here somewhere. I was going to say, right? is he in, is he I'll in talk to media Tannen, role? I'll talk to his boss, Tannenbaum, in a, nice. you know, this week. We'll get him, we'll get him going. Um, well done. I'm going to go get an interview next year just to, oh, okay. so I can report back. Just to report back because that's Get one that's with Jim Ursay. I want to see what that's like. 12 hours of Jim. I will send him a resume right now. You should. I will send him a resume. I'll drive. I'll drop it off. It's only a couple hours away. All right. We're going we're gonna to get this stuff sorted out. Let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, though, because we have a hard out. Uh, hard Jaguars. Out for hard lock. Biggest need for the Jags. You went secondary. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the secondary is moving in the right direction. Um, I think they got some good play out of certain players. Tyson Campbell had a really good year. Uh, Darius Williams, when they moved him back outside, He's another one of these weird corners where he gets miscast a lot because of size. You know, we're going to hear this yeah. a lot at draft time. Anybody that's 5'10", you're a slot only. You can't play outside. Uh, DJ Reed got this with the Seahawks and the Jets. You know, you're a small corner. You can't play outside against these big behemoth wide receivers. But, like, if they're just better at that, then let them play there. And Troy Hill is another one who is, I think, is a better player outside than he is inside, but gets miscast that way. Uh, so when Darius Williams got moved back outside, I think they had a capable pair of starters. Now, I don't know if he stays there or not, um, but even if he does, you know, you still need a you still need a good slot guy. You still need uh, an upgrade, at least one safety spot. I think. I just think this team needs a cohesive secondary to go around the good players that they already have. Their process was kind of similar to what we described with the Steelers. They had all these guys. I mean, Tyson Campbell was a developmental draft pick that just you know had a good season. Right. But we've talked a lot about the volatile nature of cornerback, both in our grading, right? Like our grading can fluctuate when you're evaluating those players, but in just general coverage numbers, whether it's NGS, whether it's um, our tracking numbers, whatever it might be, it's it's a volatile position. So they brought in guys like Shaquille Griffin has had, like he's like the epitome of the volatile player, right? He's had yeah. some good years. He's had some not not so good years. So just adding more depth there, right? I mean, he, he only played a, a few games last year for the Jags, but um, he was up and down. And a lot of this, I think they actually have more acute needs at either of the, the levels of the defense, you know, in front of the secondary. But I think they're less likely to address those because of 
young players. They've right? drafted so, players there, right? You know, they're not going to move on from Trayvon Walker after one year, right? They're not going to move on, presumably, from whatever combination of Devin Lloyd or Chad Muma is going to play at linebacker next year. They have invested in those guys. They're at least going to give them a chance to develop in years two and three and see what they can get. I think edge rusher is still a problem spot for them. They keep swinging, and, and to a certain extent, respect to them for, for keep doing that. But when you look at how many like first-round edge rushers they've drafted and the results from them so far, it's been bad. But I think those are bigger areas of need, but I just don't think they'll attack those. The, the, other, the other ones that I would want to highlight, though, is wide receiver one sure. for the Jags, and we'll see if they believe, you know, if the – the combination of Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, and Christian Kirk is enough there. That could be. Could the be Ridley thing is a real X factor there. Yeah. But when he's been the X, when he's been the number one, it wasn't as good with the Falcons, right? Ridley's probably better as a two. Zay and uh, Christian Kirk also better as complementary pieces. And then specifically tight end as far as they just they only have Luke Farrell essentially locked up for next year. They're in it's year three of Trevor Lawrence now. Same thing. Like attack that attack with playmakers. They're gonna have to re-sign uh, Jawan Taylor or find somebody at right tackle. So there's a few other specifics. I don't hate secondary as the thing, mm-hmm. but I do think that the offensive playmakers are gonna be the dictates. If Trevor Lawrence is an MVP candidate next year, right? right? Like if he has, if they find an AJ Brown, if they traded for T Higgins, Trevor Lawrence might be locked in as a top three MVP candidate next season. So that's the that's the play I think for the Jacks. But we'll fix every team in five minutes later this offseason we're not ish. getting into all the solutions ish yet let's round out the afc south how hard could it be with the tennessee titans where you went with offensive line as their biggest need yeah the titans had the worst offensive line in the nfl this year they ranked 32nd in the league they their pass blocking was absolutely catastrophic their run blocking was bad they only barely cleared um the bottom of the the, the league in terms of the yards before contact per attempt right at the end their, their offensive line was bad. Now, some of it, you know, there were another one of these teams where they got beset by injuries or a huge amount, and that obviously didn't help, but it was bad before the injury struck, and then it got worse. So it's just an area they need to keep reinforcing. Yeah, it, it feels like the Titans have almost been playing with fire the last couple of years because we had described them as a they're a run-first team with a run-first offensive line, right? When we talk about offensive lines, it's always – in generalities, right? A quarterback's under pressure. It's like, well, their offensive line's bad. Or a running back can't run. Their offensive line's bad. Well, they're two different skill sets. And the Titans had, for years, been a very good run-blocking offensive line, top five-ish, but bottom five from a pass-blocking standpoint. Last year with um, potential friend of the show, Taylor Lewan, getting injured, they uh, just say he could... Well, as of right now, Taylor Lewan is the guy that thinks we pay, or agents pay us for grades. That's not very friendly. We, we might need to have him on the show to discuss. Okay. We'll see if we could do that. Okay. So enemy of the show to this point, yeah. Taylor Lewan, with him being banged up, you know, a lot of things fell apart for that offensive line this year. Ben yeah. Jones playing through injuries, the, you know, the famous Vrabel talking him through, you know, right. playing Luan, through a game with the injury. I mean, Lewan doesn't think he'll be back based off previous comments. So, yeah. like, left tackle's an issue. Right tackle, uh, Nicholas Petit-Frere didn't play that well. Maybe he can develop into something Below better. average as a rookie, but those guys, you know, they tend right. to get better. So it's a question mark, you know, going forward. Um, I, they just had issues really across that line. I think they need help really throughout almost all the positions. Despite that, Aaron Brewer is a modern marvel. Modern marvel. Yeah. As a 270-pounder playing in the NFL. 
I've said this before on the show, but like, you know, we have our height and weight and our apps and all that stuff. And I was like, you outweigh him two step. Yeah, I do. I could play guard. I don't think no, he could. Absolutely not. No. But I, I thought there was a typo, like 270 pounds. Like, what is this? 1985 when there was like two, 300 yeah, yeah. pounders in the league and everybody was 270 on the offensive line. That's incredible that he's even able to block anybody. Oh, I mean, no, he's not a great player by any means, right. but he's a modern marvel. But just consider any time a guy of that size has to block somebody like, you know, Dexter Lawrence or whatever. Like, that is an absolute bloodbath if that ever happens, theoretically. Like, you're genuinely talking about being outweighed by 60, 65 pounds. Like, that's insane. Yes. And it's, um, it's, it's kind of insane to watch because, uh, you know, he holds his own at yeah. 270 pounds. But I'm with you on the Titans, man. Um, there's rumor, so we get the Aaron Rodgers rumors. Yep. And if that's the case, it's tough to look at the Titans and say, on paper, they're any better than the Packers or some of the other teams, the Jets, the other teams that could be in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes because they, they do have the offensive line questions. They just traded A.J. Brown last year and bring in Traylon Burks. You got Robert Woods. Like, it's a decent receiving core, but... Well, it's you know. a very, like, it's an up-in-the-air receiving core at the moment. Like, Robert Woods was not good last year coming off that ACL injury. Now, are we expecting a big jump this year, another year removed from the injury, or... Is that the version of Robert Woods we're going to see outside of the Sean McVay offense and the Rams and everything that was cooking there when he was looking really good? Traylon Burks flashed a lot of potential, but we knew he was going to be a raw prospect coming into the league. Um, you know, is he going to take a big leap forward? He was also banged up. Like, are injuries going to be a problem for him? It's a very – there's not a lot of certainty there with that receiver group. It could be good next year if those two guys transform, you know, Robert Woods back into what he was and Traylon Burks into what we think he could be. But if it doesn't get any better, it's a, pro- it's a problem spot. All right, let's go through the AFC West, starting with the Denver Broncos. Sean Payton's the new head coach there. You went with interior defensive line as their biggest need. Yeah, I, I think their edge rush should still be good. I mean, it, it was cooking earlier in the year, and then everybody got hurt, and it kind of completely disappeared towards some the, depth. the back There's end. some depth there. Yeah, and I think, if, I think it should be fine next year. Um, but the interior, when, you know, they trade away Shelby Harris – it was a problem spot. And when you look at that defense, it's like the only problem spot. That was one of the better defenses in the league, but they were unable, I think, to really clamp down on opposing offenses up the middle. You had um, not a lot returning there either. Um, Draymond Jones is one of the top interior defensive line free agents. Um, you've got some some young players there. Uh, Ayoma Uwazarike was you know drafted last season. Didn't play a ton this year. And um, DJ Jones still on the roster. So they just don't really have a ton of bodies there. Mike yeah. Purcell still there as a nose tackle. We'll see what they're doing schematically as well. But, um, yeah, I think that makes sense. The other place I would look is interior, maybe offensive line, where Dalton Reisner is a free agent. And we tend to do this, but because Sean Payton had Drew Brees and they always made sure to have those big, strong guards and, you know, make sure that the yeah. top of the po- pocket was – was solid are they going to try to replicate that there so center could be a place for an upgrade with lloyd cushionberry the third um and then left guard like i said dalton reisner hitting free agency so yeah that will be an interesting thing to see if that comes over from sean payton's time in new orleans like whether they whether one of the understandings that he brings to the table about how to run an offense with a (laughs) vertically challenged quarterback is you need to change the way you would build a team otherwise. Like, if he's building a team to protect Tom Brady 
or to, to support Tom Brady. It's a different system than if he's doing it for Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. And maybe they do decide we're going to go hard for offensive guard help, for interior offensive line, and we're going to make sure that those guys are – that he has vision. He has whatever vision he can have over the middle and be able to complete passes. Uh, let's move on to the AFC representative in the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs. Their biggest need this offseason, Sam, you went with edge rusher as the top offseason need. Yeah, I think it still is, right? I mean, I know they've addressed it a lot. They bring in Frank Clark, obviously, by trade. George Karloftis was a first-round draft pick. Uh, they bring in Carlos Dunlap as a sort of lower-price reagent. When you consider the wrecking machine that Chris Jones is on the interior, those guys should be more effective. And... Frank Clark has the tendency to be better in the playoffs than he is in the regular season, but it's still not exactly the impact playmaker that they were expecting. I think they really need to find an edge rusher that can dominate one-on-one and actually provide a compliment to Chris Jones, not just like clean up whatever he leaves them with. Frank Clark has a scheduled cap number. He's, he heads into the last year of his deal in 2023. Cap number scheduled to be $28 million. This year is $13 million. So he's an absolute cap casualty uh potentially potential cap casualty um they would save 21 million dollars have about seven and a half million in dead money but that feels like a just a thing that's going to happen right so that'll open up you know michael dana is the backup there george Karloftis, you mentioned drafted in the first round this year but wasn't great as a rookie yeah so yeah like- it's still something that you have to improve but also expect frank clark to be gone and obviously Karloftis could get a lot better year two um yep but and he, you know, he, he still need two starters there. Yeah, and he actually had some decent production if you just look at pressure numbers or sack totals or whatever it is. But the way he won was concerning to me, year one. Like you look at his tape, it's very very difficult to find clean, impact, decisive wins early in the down. Like almost every bit of pressure or sack that he gets is a late hustle play it's chasing down somebody it's taking advantage of a quarterback that's already on the move and just sort of moving into his area like those are important you need a guy that can do that but I think it's a much lower bar to be able to get that than it is like we need someone that can win we need somebody that can actually create the problems for other people to clean up as well as just rely on Chris Jones causing them all right let's go to Las Vegas Raiders where you went quarterback which of course makes sense because Derek Carr is uh, we're eight days away from the deadline here. <laughs> yeah. Going to I mean, get traded or cut. Yeah. The point where they decided, Derek Carr, see ya, you're out of here. Obviously, quarterback became their biggest need. Um, it feels like they have to be looking to the draft, right? Or Rodgers. Or Same Rogers. thing. With Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is liking tweets and all that. So you watch <laughs> yourself. Watch it. I'm easily distracted here when we're live. He's a big distracted. He's a big distraction. Aaron Rodgers, though, don't you look at me either. So, yeah. You can come say Let's hi. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. Let's go, doctor. The late Dr. Eric Eager is back to. Do we have a mic for him? We don't have a mic. No. We're going to have to, say, have to lean in. What's up, doctor? You guys talk about me like I'm dead. Yeah, we call you the late <laughs> Dr. Eric Eager. <laughs> Austin Gale, dead to us. Yeah. Dead. You're just dead. You're not it's dead. Nice to say either. rest in peace. Overall, you're no, just it's good dead to, see to us. It's nice to see you guys. It is. It's good. Cool. Yeah. Nice. How's the week? Nice coat. Good. Keep the coat. We don't do. We're not allowing you to promote anything here. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. Please yeah, cover true. up the coat over the T-shirt. You've, you've upgraded the dress code from the PFF. Thank time. you. Thanks for like noticing. Yeah. 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 It's it's uh, a T-shirt, you know, and a, and a blazer. I had a blazer last week when I was at, at something else. So I'm trying to step it up in this world. 
Beautiful. I like yeah. it. I like it. Onward and upward. Yeah. yeah. I got to get you guys' opinion. What, what do you think is going to happen? So I, I've been telling people I like under in the game, but I don't know who's going to win. Even though I'm a Chiefs fan, as all you guys know, yeah. I'm not going to take a stand like I did last week against the Bengals. I, I think the Eagles are a very, very formidable foe. Here. They're a very good team. I don't know. I like the mat- I like Mahomes against the Eagles defense. I like the matchup this mm-hmm. year. The Chiefs uh, uh, satellite space offense. I think the Eagles being favored is kind of crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of that, though, is when you when you look at the point spread between plus 2.5 and, and minus 2.5, we saw that against right. the Bengals. It's, like, really meaningless. It's, like, 10%, sure. you know, either way. And when you came out of last week's game, I mean, honestly, if the Chiefs would have gotten overtime, no chance in that game, right? They didn't have – they were leaning at the tape for the last right. <laughs> quarter of that game. You come out of that, you're like, Mahomes is still a little bit banged up. Uh, Juju, Hardman, Tony all banged up. I think that they're going to get a good – break injury wise getting most of those guys back but you know the market is what the market is at this point right like I don't think it's gonna move much the appealing thing about the Eagles all year is how good they are at everything right I mean mm-hmm. they can win in different ways they can win with pass game run game pass rush but the one thing unit the whole thing the one thing that we haven't really seen much is like what happens if they get smacked in the mouth like we know like if, if Patrick Mahomes is down 14 points in the first quarter who yeah, cares right know. everyone knows what happens then we don't know what happens when, if that happens to the Eagles, really, this year. Because they played like almost the entire season with a lead. Well, they, they, it's only happened the first time they trailed in the second half of a game all year was that Monday night game against the Commanders, and they, they, got, they didn't do anything. Right. And then, they, and then the, sec, the game after that, they're losing to Jeff Saturday's Colts. They get the game-winning touchdown against the Colts without the virtue of a completed pass. Yeah. You know, so we, right. Like, I think the thing that – I think people are, are too broad when they say the Eagles haven't played anybody. What the Eagles haven't done is they haven't played in that many game scripts. Yeah. We've seen them play a, from ahead, right? This is why I like under in the game. If they get ahead of the Chiefs, they're going to run the football and reduce the number of possessions and, and you know, 35. They'll slow it down. Yeah, they'll sure. slow it down. And if the Chiefs get ahead – I don't know if Hurts can necessarily bring them back. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think he does not look comfortable as a passer. Well, it, honestly, it honestly looks like he's laboring And that's there. the thing. Remember, he's hurt as well. Like, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. all focusing on Mahomes and his Did ankle injury. Did you see injury. him winster in that game? Right. Like, he looked and, bad. And they, they sort of they keep throwing him out there and letting him run the ball. And because he's doing that, like, everyone's like, oh, Hurts is fine. But yeah. his passing hasn't been as good since he came back no. from the shoulder injury. No, but they do run the football very well. I know, you know, that's, that's blaspheme for somebody like me to talk about. But, like, but, but it's because there's a quarterback involved. Yeah, yeah, QB the, running's acceptable. He has, he has gravity there. And, and he certainly, like, is a tough runner. And that offensive line is amazing. I, I do think... The Chiefs' defense is one of the more underrated units in the NFL this year, though. I mean, you're talking about like seventh in yards per play allowed, sixth in you know net adjusted yards the, per pass allowed. AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, though, against the young corner, the corners have held up pretty well. To me, it comes down to those explosives. But we saw in the Bengals game. Great. It was interesting when once Tyler Boyd went out, that hurt them Third I think, a lot more than people believe. And like the Eagles have Quez Watkins, which is like whatever. I, I do think the numbers game is still in the Chiefs' favor because. They're not great at any one corner. Maybe Sneed, you can maybe you know squint and say he's great, but they're not weak in any one corner. Yeah. And they've shown a proclivity to play the guy who's hot, right? They started out with Jalen Watson, then they benched him and put in Joshua Williams, then they put in Watson in, and last week they had to play both. I think that they're very resilient roster-wise defensively. If AJ Brown though, if he goes ten catches for a buck fifty, I mean that. I mean that, sure, to yeah, me, that's, that's what the Eagles need. We talk about run game and shortening and all that stuff. If AJ Brown just goes off, the Eagles yeah. have a chance to win, right? And I think they're they're well, probably going to need that. A lot of that is contingent on Jalen Hurts sort of getting back to where he was earlier in the season before yeah. that shoulder injury. Well, why don't you make a final prediction here? Oh wow! Um, 
<laughs> are you are you doing what I do is different one at every so spot? I, I don't know though because people will call you out for that on Twitter. So I like under. I don't. I don't have a pick on the game yet. I have some Twitter advice for you. Yeah. If you if you ignore it, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It right. doesn't exist. Like Johnny Bengal fan right. didn't even have to exist last Good year. Good rep by him the other day too. By by the way, so forty seven. <laughs> right, so let's go twenty four twenty three. I'm still gonna pick the winner, but that's gonna be the score twenty four twenty three. Twenty four twenty three. Twenty four twenty three. Goes under. Uh, yeah. And and bet the alts with Valdez Scantling. Either he's gonna catch zero balls or he's gonna have one hundred and fifty <laughs> yards. Like that. That's what I told Dave last week when we went to the game. Uh, that that's the one player prop. The the another good player prop is Jalen Hurts under passing yards. It's like 240 now. It was 250. I just don't see a game script where he throws a lot of yards. The AFC Championship game becoming like a Marquez Valdez Scantling <laughs> monster game is one of the most absurd things that's happened this season. Well, it's his second career 100-yard receiving <laughs> game in a title game. The so new Sammy Watkins. A, yeah, he's the new yeah. Sammy Watkins. The right. JD Drew of football. The JD Drew. I mean, you and I get that <laughs> reference. The 07 JD Drew stepping up the Grand Slam, baby. But, good to see you guys. Uh, it. It's good, good to see you. Around. All right, Appreciate thanks you, for man. having me. Yeah, we'll see you around. Take it easy. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Where were we? We finished with the Raiders, though. Right? They need a quarterback. Are they bringing in Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. For are Devontae? they? Devontae's liking tweets about bringing yeah. in Rodgers. And that's very important if you like tweets about Rodgers coming in. It's all about the social media. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously Rodgers makes a lot of sense there. The Devonte Adams connection speaks for itself. The Raiders' offensive line actually took huge steps forward last season. Maybe they still need uh, a player or two here and there, but there are the pieces for that offense to to function really well with uh, Aaron Rodgers there. The defense still needs some work, but, I, I mean, sure, it makes some sense. All right, we're going to wrap this up now, right? Los Angeles Chargers. Dude, you went interior defensive line for, like, the 12th straight year. Yeah. Proved to me that they don't. For the 12th straight year, the Chargers need interior defensive line. Uh-huh. Biggest offseason need. Yeah. I mean, argue with it. Everybody that they brought no, in last year wasn't good. It's right. I mean, Sebastian Joseph Day, I was a little wary of that that move. It was only $8 million a year or whatever, but he's still not great. They tried last year yeah. with him and Austin Johnson. Both guys graded in the 50s. Yes. Both were below average They had a players. problematic run defense, particularly up the middle, the year before. And then they bring in Joseph Day, they bring in Austin Johnson, they bring in Khalil Mack, which we thought might be a sneaky move to actually help upgrade that. Um, maybe we expected a jump from Kenneth Walker, or uh, Kenneth Murray, rather, at linebacker, and the run defense up the middle got worse. So it didn't work. Like, nothing you did positively impacted the run defense, so you got to keep doing it. You can't, can't just go, well, we tried and failed, so we're out. I have an update from Bobby Slowick. Oh, yeah? I said, we're live on the podcast, and we break any news. No. He says, haha, no. Yeah. But enjoy your podcast. I'm sure it's lit. Lit? Yeah. Huh. I'm sure he won't care that I just quoted him directly on that. I think you gotta, you got to say that kind of thing. You need to let them know they're on the record. He said misses us. Yeah. He's miss, he misses us. Anyway. Tell him we expect to be allowed to break the news. He said he's just, he's just trying to take care of business. Expect slash demand. I did say that. Yeah. He said, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to. Take care of business. Miss you guys. So there we go. So the Chargers. Yeah, definitely the um, interior defensive line. I mean, it, they did spend money, like I said, on two players last year. We'll see if they go draft. They were the team that we pegged for Jordan Davis in the draft as another, you know, big-bodied, you know, you defend the run with fewer players and it helps your coverage shell and the whole thing. Um, 
you know what I would say with Chargers as I was studying them a little bit this offseason? Speed. And I see the Chargers. Look at Walt in the, ch- in the chat saying they need, they need Zay Flowers. The Chargers were one of the slowest teams in the league when it comes to just receivers. Their Which receivers makes sense, were, right? I mean, if you think who with they Mike have. Williams and Keenan yeah. Allen, and you know, also some of the injuries. But I would like to see, like what the Lions do with Khalif Raymond and bringing in Jamison Williams and all that stuff. Like, get that speed receiver in there yeah. to complement basically two possession guys in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Neither of whom has ever been a speedster. I mean, right? And Keenan Allen's never been a four-seven guy, but you know. He's not fast. Yes. So I would say speed as well. But I, I'm with you. I, interior defensive line for the 12th straight year. The Chargers are, if nothing else, they're very consistent. They um, they get us excited in the offseason, and they always need interior defensive linemen. Yeah. So there you go. Mm-hmm. That's Fact. it. For the millionth year in a row, the same thing for the Chargers. We made it. They'd be a really good – they'd be a really easy team to be GM of because it's always the same thing you need to fix. Yeah, and then you just ignore it, and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> or you can be the guy that finally fixes it, and all of a sudden you win a Super Bowl. The other thing you need is a good trainer. Probably yeah, a good true. trainer. Yeah, you need to do what the Vikings did and hire the, the Rams guy. Look at that. It was nice to see uh, Dr. Eager back from the dead. Yep, the late. show up. I don't know if the audio came through or not, but hopefully it did. I mean, hopefully look, everybody heard. Tyler's sitting there. He's working the mic. It was good? Perfect. So that's it. That's your AFC team needs. We remembered the Titans this time. We may have forgotten someone else. Just let us know in the chat. We'll um, we'll fix it some other time. But uh, AFC team needs are in the books. We have a special interview still on for noon. We still have a hard lock. Hard, uh, hard, hard lock. Hard. We have an interview coming up here very shortly that hopefully will show up on the podcast, depending on how it goes. We'll I did show up least, on I, the podcast I, the rest of the yeah, week. Here. I just uh, updated the conversation to at least tell them where we are. That's which good. Helps. Right in the middle. We're right in the middle of. Media row. That's exactly here. what I said. Media table, row. Right in the middle. The table. I gave him the table number Tell and everything. Tell him 6'10 guy. The guy bigger than... Yeah. I was going to say, look for the giant... I'll stand up. Full Jerry. I'll just stand up. Anyway. Yeah, Will Fuller. That's right. We need to add, bring Will Fuller to the uh, to the Disneyland. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow, 1230 Eastern, with more PFF NFL Podcast.